Love Rise is supported by Bloom, a self-help resource for women who have felt betrayed in their relationships, you know, whether from infidelity, pornography, or anything else. Visit bloomforwomen.com to get started and use the promo code SCABS to get 30 days free. This is Scabs, and you're listening to Love Rice, a podcast supported by Bloom. Love Rice is about experiments on love, life, and happiness. Today, we're going to meet Stephanie. She's a podcaster, YouTuber, and writer of theaudaciouslife.com. And she has the kind of hands that, that can reach across the table and help so many find courage. Today, we're going to explore Stephanie's Genesis story, her beginnings, and her incredible evolution. So it's really weird when, you know, you're in a relationship and your partner asks you what you want for a gift and then they refuse to give it to you. I mean, it's not weird in a bratty, entitled way, but in a way that makes you wonder what else is going on. Stephanie is not a child. She's a grown woman, an adult, you know, with a career and children of her own. And where this story begins, she's in a relationship with a man that she loves. And what seems like long ago in another lifetime, he asked her what she wanted for a gift, and this is what she said. For years and years, I would ask for a basketball hoop. <laughs> and I would get clothes from these weird stores I never shopped at. And I was like, I just want a basketball hoop. I asked for my birthday, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, <laughs> Christmas. I would just say a basketball hoop would be nice. How about a basketball hoop? And it's, I mean, even the neighbor got a used one. I'm like, they're not, you know, they have a truck. We'll go get it. I just never got that basketball hoop. It was just so, but I think it just didn't fit his idea of the woman. It wasn't womanly for one thing, right? <laughs> it wasn't who he wanted you to be. Right, right. Yeah. So here's the question. Do you have a basketball hoop? We'll find out a little later if Stephanie has gotten a basketball hoop. But for now, some of you might be thinking, well, if she wanted a basketball hoop, why didn't she go get one? I mean, her neighbor had a truck, right? And she knew she could even get a used one pretty cheaply. She had it all figured out. So why didn't she go do it? And this is where we begin to understand that there's something just a little strange and a little unbalanced going on. In fact, the story is just a small bit of the story that Stephanie has to tell. And what she's talking about is about how it feels to live under the thumb of emotional abuse. It's a very unsettling feeling. And I often thought, even when I was in this relationship and another one where I was, you know, kind of isolated and, and controlled, I felt like these people who I work with, whatever, it's like they have no idea what it's like. Like, look how free they're living. <laughs> they just go home, they sit on the couch, they go for a walk, they do whatever they want, they go see a movie, call a friend. Like, that is just not the way I was living, and that is not the way many, many men and women who are in these relationships are living. They're just not free at all. They're constantly looking over their shoulder. They're walking on eggshells. They often go to bed with anxiety. They don't sleep. Mm -hmm. They have stomach aches. They get all kinds of, you know, autoimmune diseases just from that constant fear of this outburst or doing something wrong. Like you just, you're just sure that you've already, like I used to joke that I caused the recession. I was responsible for everything. Cancer, the recession. It was your fault.
What's tricky about this verbal and emotional stuff is that oftentimes you're with somebody who's all about the frosting, the artificial, you know, this artifice, you know, they're all about presentation and how the world perceives them. And you're kind of being dragged along in this relationship, you and the children, right? So how they are to the outside world and how people perceive you is very different from what's happening behind closed doors. And if you read any books from experts or talk to anybody who knows anything about this, that's exactly what's going on. And oftentimes, um, if you really want to be treated well, you almost have to have this person who's not treating you well be around other people. You know what I mean? So like, if you want to have a really serious conversation, you might as well have a third party in the room because then they're going to behave the way that you might expect a reasonable person to 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 treat to react right that's really scary it is scary yeah it is scary Des- and then describe how that feels to live that way yeah no it just feels like a dual um it, just leading a double life right like so there's the life there's the pers- persona of what you have you know with your friends neighbors family and then there's the life that you're living with this person behind closed doors and You try to have a very simple conversation about something relating to your kids or the house or whatever. And this is something I've heard from many of the women that I've interviewed and worked with, too. It's just you just never know when they're going to snap. And and usually it's it doesn't matter what your tone of voice is, how sweet you are, how empathic you're feeling. You could be trying to be as sensitive as possible doesn't matter you this whole thing could just like backfire and it's like having this like explosion in your face and it's you're coming from this peace place of peace maybe and just wanting to communicate something that you've been feeling for a while or maybe it's something about the entire family mm-hmm. or maybe it's about finances or something that affects everyone and you just genuinely care and then to have it twisted into this crazy thing where you're trying to start a fight or you're you're a bitch or you're unreasonable it's just um I don't know I think for me I felt like it's just bizarre I didn't get it you know I grew up in like this Christian family with you know we, it wasn't a perfect family I had a single mom three kids but we were in this Christian loving environment <laughs> where people took the time to listen to each other and yeah. That just didn't happen, and I, I didn't get it. Like, where's this coming from? So, tell me yeah. a little bit about that. I mean, you grew up with warmth. It sounds yes. like yes, yes, warmth yeah. and care, and you knew about love and the feeling of love. Mm-hmm. And then there's this conflict now. So there's this completely different life. Right. I mean, how did this affect you? Uh, it was mentally torturous. I mean, I really felt like. Um, you know, I had been, this is this, I've been in this kind of scenario more than once, right? So for me, <laughs> I think the first time it, I just didn't get it. Like, I just felt like, why, why is this person, I knew that he, he was capable of love and tenderness, but then he would also see these nasty things that just branded me as from a quote unquote broken home and I wasn't good enough and all this stuff and comparing me to other women. And and it just kind of happened over time. It was very insidious the way it just um, slowly 
happened. And, and I, it, I have to say a lot of women I've spoken to, they like didn't see it until it was really, really bad. For me, I have to say I was much more aware. I felt it. I saw it. I just didn't know what to do with it. And I was already kind of isolated. Both situations that I'm thinking of right now were quickly quite isolating, where I was not, I was taken away kind of from my family. And I would say taken away, like kidnapped. I just mean like there there were walls put up. And so my, what happens when you do that is you cut people off from perspective because you can't bounce something off the people who love you. Like, whoa, they'll be like, no way. Why did, why did they say that to you? Or why did he say that to you? Or um, that's, you you know, that's not acceptable. You know, why don't you try this? And so anything like that was kind of gone or just so intermittent that it wasn't even impactful for me. So I was struggling on my own to kind of make sense of it. And I was embarrassed, Yeah. right? I yeah. knew this is not okay for this person yeah. to be treating me this way, whether, you know, and I keep, keep saying this person because, yes, I've had romantic relationships, a marriage that was like this, but I've also had this situation in um, work relationships, too. Oh, interesting. I know. And then so after you see a pattern, you're like, what is it about me? (laughs) I'm the common denominator. It's a hard thing to honestly look inward and take accountability for ourselves. But like Stephanie says, sometimes we need to see that we are the common denominator. You wonder why they're flipping out about whatever it is and and it's without warning a lot of the time. Like I like what you said earlier. You're like, there's there's nothing that I could do. And I wonder, do so many women tiptoe through their lives thinking maybe they can make it right? I think that's exactly what it is. And I think actually with me, I've identified that that Christian upbringing, which is do unto others and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. be kind and, and a little bit of a doormat thing where you put yourself last. Mm-hmm. First, shall, last shall be first. First shall be last. Like there are all these little biblical kind of things that I think really were programmed into me at the at a very early age, where it was like you are holier if you put yourself second and someone else first. So that was kind of hard hardwired somehow into me with the doctrine that I grew up with. And then, you know, women in general are. You know, we're raised to be sweet. And my daughter even said to me, she repeated this back to me the other day. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Well, my mom said that all the time. And I said to her the other day, I said, you know, well, that's not quite right. Sometimes you do have to say things that aren't nice. That might be true to kind of move yourself forward with your friends or a situation. Because I want her to know that. I, I want to know how, describe how that doctrine, that doctrine of be good, be kind. I don't mm-hmm. even, I can't even say what they are. Do unto others, like you said, as you yeah. have someone doing to you. How has that changed for you now, having gone through these experiences? Oh. <laughs> well, I think I was always looking for the good in people, always forgiving very forgiving, very accepting. So what happened is that other person who I used to be had, I'll just call it porous boundaries. I think my boundaries, I would allow people to do things to me that really weren't acceptable because I was so easy to forgive. 
oh, well, you know, they just slipped a little or maybe they don't know or they never learned X, Y, and Z when they were children, (laughs) you know. But now, you know, it's taken me a while. But I think now I'm just, I'm a little, the bar is set higher. People have to earn my trust and respect and, and earn their way into my life. I still think there are wonderful human beings in the world. There are lots of great people. But I'm a little, I'm a, a little, a lot more, I'm a lot more um, discerning and mm. the bar is just higher. You got to, I'm not going to let you in. You have to earn my respect. Mm. You have to earn my trust. And I've been taken in, you know, mm. a number of times and, and I've been shocked, like looking back, like, wow, I really was a target. I allowed this person in power or I don't know. It's just amazing how easy it is and how susceptible you can be if you've, you've kind of been there before. And um, I even talked to Lundy Bancroft, who wrote Why Does He Do That?, the author on my podcast. And I asked him about this. I said, you know, a lot of women are afraid when they get out of these relationships. They're afraid to get into another relationship because they yeah, feel like they're totally. an easy mark. And he said, well, you know, I don't, I don't think that has to be the case. I've met a lot of women who have done the work, which is what we're talking about, right? Like yeah. really identifying, hey, maybe there's something going on in me. It's not just that, that this guy is, you know, a jerk or has a personality disorder or whatever. So in Stephanie's own story, she took a real difficult look at herself. She, she asked herself that question, what's going on inside of me? And she started to notice, like she said, you know, she felt like a, a doormat. She lost her voice and she, wasn't, she didn't feel she was able to speak out. She knew her boundaries were porous and she didn't let people earn her trust. She was overly forgiving of people that disrespected her. And she allowed people to control her. And so often when you're in this kind of situation, you think you're all alone. I thought I was the only one. And I know there are other women out there right now thinking, yeah. it's just me. And he, you know, I'm a bitch. And I fault. suck at relationships. Mm-hmm. And I'm unlovable. and I'm, Or I'm asking for too much. Mm-hmm. And I need to just stay in line toe the line, do what he says, <laughs> you know, uh, dishes out of the sink, <laughs> no clutter, just the children he- looking lovely, be always on time, like whatever. Just hearing you describe that makes me so sick to my stomach. It makes, it gives me a little bit of like. It's triggering. Yeah, it's just triggering. It's yeah. very triggering. Whether you're a man or a woman, we can hear just how incredibly scary and crazy it is to live with abuse, even emotional abuse. And this is where the evolution of Stephanie really begins to pick up speed. I had a marriage that was not great. Mm -hmm. um, And that was really isolating, controlling. There was a religious aspect to that. I got out of that one, and I kind of built myself up. I started running. I started doing all these things. Um, and I was out of that, and I started reading a lot about controlling relationships and uh, disrespect and things like that. And I really thought I had healed, and then I ended up in another relationship like that. So I had already worked my way out of one, except this time 
there were children involved, right? So it was far more complicated. So I think that I just tried really hard to work on myself to see if I could make things better. I spent years, four and a half years in therapy. I have volumes of relationship books. <laughs> Your own personal and, library. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I have read it, Audible and, you know, hard, yeah. hardcover books. It's crazy. And I think that I just saw that it really wasn't making any difference. You know, it wasn't changing and things started to escalate and I just saw that my life was passing me by. And I was really sad and I felt so like this is going to be the rest of my life. I'm going to be stuck dragged, you know, I would just say the word dragged along in life because my opinions didn't really matter. Things really started to come to a head. I had kind of focused on myself like a year or two before mm -hmm. I left and really focused on getting my degree. My job was very much kind of a, there was nowhere to go in my job. I was in academia. So I decided to get um, an accelerated MED in instructional design. And so I was working on that at night. And, you know, just that gave me a lot of confidence because I had a 4.0 and I was like, I'm doing this, doing I'm a things. mom. Yeah. My, you know, making it happen. And I thought, you know, I'm going to probably get a different job um, at, you know, where I worked at MIT. Um, and, you know, I felt great about it. And I, and I, you know, like online, I was becoming kind of a, a little more of a thought leader in this really teeny tiny area of expertise in my job. And then I got pregnant. And then <laughs> that was a shock with my little one. And so that kind of set me back. How, but I yeah, like how did that feel? That felt like I was again shock, and I had I was in a better place mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. So I tried to say, okay, well maybe this is a second chance. Like maybe this is a second mm -hmm. chance to do everything better, have a child and a better birthing experience, and mm -hmm. and who knows? And because I had better energy and op more optimism, um, and my older daughter was you know old enough that you know I had a little bit more freedom. I thought, you know, maybe things could turn around. And I really did kind of have a little bit of hope. But after that, I just, <laughs> I mean, anybody will tell you who's been in these relationships that marriages, moves, job changes, um, weddings or engagements, and babies often are trigger points that take the direction. Yeah. They, take, they take the relationship in a negative direction. And yeah. so... I would say that's kind of what happened because it's a lot more pressure. You got a baby in the house and, and your time is focused and yeah. Oh yeah. You're focused on this little baby plus another child mm -hmm. and then work and making it all happen. So yeah. So I think things just kind of escalated. I started educating myself a little bit more. Um, I got my own therapist. Um, the therapist that we were with was, crazy <laughs> it just wasn't helpful at all half of them are yeah <laughs> no. I didn't get the dynamic and she was kind of she was I would say she was kind of I don't know what the right word is I to me it just felt like she she had been schmoozed and bamboozled and was a part of the whole dynamic and wasn't helping things and I would go and just I would come back from that and cry 
and have migraines. All it was always on a Friday and always ruined my weekend. And I always felt more hopeless, not hopeful. Never felt better. I always felt worse. I don't think that's a good sign for therapy. No, that's a red flag. <laughs> so by this time, we can see that the difficulty in Stephanie's marriage is is piling on pretty heavy. But we can also see how taking care of her body and taking care of her mind are helping Stephanie find clarity. In fact, it's at this point that something pivotal happens. All the work at her job and her new education have led her to connect with a woman, a woman who's a career coach. And remember how isolated Stephanie had felt before? Well, this woman, this career coach, was all the tether she needed to the outside world. And there was one incident when things just started to escalate. And I told her what had happened. And she was like, you need to get out. You need to get out. Like, this is getting really scary. Like, you're not going to make any changes. Like, you can work for on your career and yourself as much as you want. But if you don't change your environment, then nothing's going to change. Then you have this moment with your job coach that says, this isn't right. You got to do something. Exactly. So here's the moment, Mm -hmm. you know, you're feeling it, you're sitting in it. What do you do? Yeah, I, it was a really, I'm getting goosebumps right now. It was a pivotal moment. It was a scary time. I'm going to start crying. It was a really scary time and I knew I had to do something. That was huge, and that really propelled me to take action. And that's when I decided, that's it, I'm out. And I already in my head had kind of a long-term plan, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a way out. And I didn't have a date or anything like that, but when this happened, I just said, I, I'm gonna make it work. And I did it, and it was scary. <sighs> How scary and beautiful, though, that your friend was able to reach across and give you her hand. Yeah. And say, come with me over here. Right. Right. Exactly. I think that's such a powerful moment. And I see what you're doing now with the audacious life. And, yeah. and there you are now reaching out your hands saying, come with me. You can do this. Exactly. So I got out and it, I, you know, I just cannot um, sugarcoat any of it. When, you know, leaving, you know, you, you may have that initial sense of, woo, yay, I did right, it. But right. it was an ugly, ugly battle. But so you have to know that going into it, that yes, it'll be worth it in the end, but there may be this really vicious, ugly, peace in the middle and you don't want to be a Pollyanna about it you need to and again that's what's so important about getting your head on straight taking care of your body and the physical part but so I got out I was still kind of in that part of it but I again I had been listening to actually John Lee Dumas <laughs> who's like an entrepreneurial entrepreneur on fire right uh podcast was like really big. He was really hitting it um, when I first left. And I and I was I got out of my house and then got back in with my kids. So I remember listening to him on walks and then 
like I had this huge lawn to mow and mowing the lawn, <laughs> listening to like three episodes because that's how long it would take me. You to sound mow like me. Yard. <laughs> yeah, and it was awesome. It was so empowering yes. to be mowing my lawn. Like I am woman, hear me. Roar. I know. What is it about that kind of stuff? <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm Taking like, care of the your blower. Yes, I love it. <laughs> and those were things I was not like quote unquote allowed to do right mm, before it was take like that. Stuff. You know, I'm like, I can do it. So it was awesome. And uh, that was really empowering. And I just knew it was had some connection to John Lee Dumas. I just felt really inspired by him. And I ended up applying to, he had a mastermind and he was accepting people. And I had this idea. I was like, this is really powerful. I want to reach women like me. I knew there were other women out there because by that time I had read, um, I'm going to forget her name, Evans, Patricia Evans' book. She has quite a few books on verbal and emotional right. abuse. And I joined her online forum and I read through and I read like story after story after story where these women had been through exactly what I had been through. And that was like this huge epiphany, like, whoa, it's not just me. This is this is a thing, you know. So yeah, I felt- Did you feel, I mean, you said this before, you felt really isolated yeah. You felt like you were the only one in the whole world dealing with this. Totally, yeah. And I was embarrassed. Embarrassed, and I, shame. No, yeah. you're ashamed. You're, you know, you're like, why can't I figure this out? Why can't I make this right? Why can't love? Because I'm a very loving, patient, empathic person in general. And I was a nanny with kids, and again, this Christian environment. And I, and I felt like the worst parts of myself surfaced in this relationship, and. Even when I went to the the well with the loving, gooey parts of me, that wasn't enough either. If there are other women out there, they need to hear other women's stories, not my story, even just other women's stories, to inspire them and validate them. Mainly the validation. Isn't this what Stephanie's career coach did for her? In the moment when everything was terrifying and dark and Stephanie didn't know what to do or didn't even know that she could do something about the life that was playing out in front of her, Stephanie's friend, her career coach, her tether back to life reached out her hands and gave Stephanie the confidence and the courage that she needed to take some difficult steps. And this was the beginning. It was the place where the audacious life was born. And Stephanie's message is this. To figure out what they want, folks get clear on what do you want? What is acceptable? Like, because women are really crossing the line trying to figure out, they're skating between how much of what their partner's saying is true, like mm-hmm. that it's their fault and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that other inner voice that they've learned to kind of just um, drown out. You know, it's like tune mm-hmm. into that inner voice. What do you think is acceptable? What do you want? Forget about pleasing or any of that and just focus as much on yourself and getting yourself healthy, more sleep, more food, you know, all that. And I always just, I counsel women to not get sucked into the drama because I feel like in some of these personality disorders, they're really, I just call it a Scooby snack. They're getting a charge. (laughs) (laughs) they're getting a charge when they poke you or do something that gets a rise out of you so if you Uh can be as they call it the gray rock technique because you can be stoic and just stand in your own power 
which I know that's a leap for a lot of women, but you do have personal power. You don't have to react. And just let it roll off your back as much as you can. And, you know, try to fuel yourself with books, audio tapes, you know, reconnect with a friend, whatever, whatever it is, journal, do mm-hmm. something. Self-care is huge. And try to put a plan together. And it can be a long-term plan. It doesn't have to be next month. You know, it could be a year from now. But try to, try to let yourself know that you don't have to stay in this. And it is unfortunate that many of these relationships, the, you know, the abusive partner never gets better, even if they go into therapy. In fact, you know, therapy is really counterindicated because it doesn't, it doesn't help. It can make things worse. So if you want to get therapy for yourself, great. But if he's asking you or she, if she's the person who's the abuser, they're asking you to get into therapy. Sometimes it's a manipulation technique. So just know that, but mm-hmm. really try to educate yourself. And I would, I would caution against like too much consumption of this content because it can really get you depressed. I'd say fill your head with good stuff, yeah. positivity, moving forward, self-empowerment. Packing your parachute. Mm. You know, for a long time in my own marriage, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure, but it was valuable enough for me to wait and see. Mm-hmm. And so I took some time to kind of pack my own parachute, which I, I did a lot of the same things you did. Like I said, exercise, I tried to eat better. I did a lot of yoga and meditation. I filled my mind with good things. I connected with people and friends and, and, you know, and I went to my own therapist mm-hmm. and, and, um, just kind of waiting to see. So here's the question. Do you have a basketball hoop? My neighbors just oh, broke it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Let's go play hoops. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I wow. I did. I shot hoops the other day with my, my neighbors have one. I'm How in this like townhouse. It was awesome. It was great. Did and it- when, I, when I left, I would go to the gym after we were split. I would go to the gym, do yoga, which I hadn't belonged to a gym in 20 years do yoga which was amazing by the way that's one of the number one things I recommend to help you but then I would go into the court where at my gym and I would just shoot hoops for like 10-15 minutes I loved it It it's like therapy (laughs) you know I love these kinds of things though because when we talk about self-care I mean this is what we're talking about you know how do we self-care ourselves out of this kind of stuff yeah. You know, you wouldn't think shooting basketball hoops for 15 minutes would have such a euphoric effect on you. Yeah. yeah. But it it is these little things like this. Like for me, it was going outside, getting the ball and throwing it to my dog and just playing with my dog. Nice. You know, oh. or you know, people have different but this is this is these little things are the things that are that are helping us climb out of the darkness that we feel around us. Absolutely. What's cool about Stephanie's experience with the basketball is that this is exactly what we talked about in our podcast called New Brain Cells with Dr. Rady. This is in action, how our minds can heal our bodies and our bodies can heal our minds. Anything that you can do that will give you that little lift, that little joy. Learn more and connect with Stephanie at theaudaciouslife.com. Also, you can search for her on YouTube with The Audacious Life. 
We're lucky enough at Bloom to be working with Stephanie right now to create an online class. So watch for it at bloomforwomen.com. And if you haven't already, use our 30-day free promo code SCABS to register. So thanks y'all for listening and be sure to subscribe and post a review because we love to hear from you. Also, if you want to send us your thoughts or ideas, send them to scabs at bloomforwomen.com.